The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped and beat him and went off leaving him half dead. The priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The context of this dialogue is a context we come up against several times in the Gospel, which is uh, it's a conversation that's not entirely genuine, right? That uh, the, the writer of the gospel makes a point of telling us this is a Pharisee, this is a student of the law, right? This is a lawyer, and he's testing Jesus, right? So right, right away, the, the intention of the questioner is not the same as, for instance, when the rich young man comes and asks Jesus, what must I do to be perfect? There was a genuine desire there that, uh, that brought him to ask Jesus. Uh, but this, this scholar of the law is really looking to test Jesus. It's just one of the, the many occasions when uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, try to trip Jesus up. So in the first place, Jesus responds to his question with a question. He says, you know, uh, says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looking at this scholar of the law, someone who reads, studies, and interprets the law for the people, says, well, what do the scriptures say? How do you interpret it? The man answers, this, you know, very famously, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, being, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So here's the first point that Jesus really teaches. He says, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So here there's, all, there's already a little bit of a, of a, of a correction or maybe uh, an encouragement by the Lord, right? Do this and you will live. 
And one of the things we can see contained in that sentence is Jesus telling the man, look, your knowledge of the law is not going to justify you. Knowing what's true, knowing what's good is not sufficient. We must also do what's good. We must also follow the law. We must carry out what the law calls us to. That's something that translates very, very well and very, very easily for us, brothers and sisters, as Catholics. It is not enough for us to know what's true. We also have to do the truth. We have to do the good. St. James says, don't be hearers of the gospel only, but doers of the word. Um, Now, Jesus has given this sort of subtle correction, and I think the, the scribe picks it up. Right? Jesus says, do this and you will live. But the young man, wishing to justify himself, asks Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And here you can, you can get a hint almost of like a, it reminds me of like a, like a college sophomore who's learned just enough to think pretty highly of themselves, uh, thinking they're pretty clever, right? So Jesus gives them this sort of rebuke. And the scholar of the law, his response is, okay, and who is my neighbor? And uh, in Israelite discussion of the scripture and the law, that question is a little bit open to interpretation, right? So uh, for us, neighbor means like the guy next door, but I think we all know that means more than the guy next door. Uh, So it was fairly clear that it meant, you know, children of your people. So any, any of the Israelites would have been a neighbor to the Israelite. But there are also scriptures in the Old Testament, I think, in, I think maybe in Deuteronomy, that seem to indicate fairly clearly that neighbor also can include aliens, right? That those who uh, are visitors, travelers, sojourners in Israel who are basically offered the, the protections of the law uh, that God prescribes. So maybe it's, maybe it's uh, the, peop- the, the children of my people, but also maybe those who come to us as guests under our care. They also count as my neighbor, and I must love them as myself. Now, Jesus, in response to this question, gives us this beautiful parable. And uh, there's a lot going on in this parable, but one of the things he does I think is, is pretty cool is he, he sort of turns the object of the man's question into the subject of the parable. And what I mean by that is... The scholar of the law asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words, he's asking, he's drawing lines. He's doing, he's doing what uh, he's been trained to do as a lawyer. He's drawing uh, lines and boundaries. He's saying, okay, this is what I must do to have eternal life. I must love the Lord with everything I have. I must love my neighbor as myself. Okay, so who is my neighbor? Who do I have to love as myself? So he's asking the question, with the neighbor really being the object of his love, who do I have, who's going to receive my love so that I may retain eternal life? attain. Jesus flips it around and he makes neighbor the subject of the parable, right? So he speaks about this man lying dead in the road who's been beaten by robbers and is left half dead out in the middle of nowhere in the no man's land between Jerusalem and Jericho. And then we see this and it it makes us feel awful, but we see the priest, we see the Levite, not only pass him by, but cross the road so they don't have to get close to him or touch him, right? Uh, the priest and the Levite, by the way, who should, by all rights, see this man as their neighbor and should do something to help them. Meanwhile, a Samaritan comes, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you've heard 
or studied or read about the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. They were not friends. So in, the, in terms of the, this scholar's question, who is my neighbor, uh, what, however he draws his lines, those lines don't, you know, the Samaritan is not in the boundary of those lines. The Samaritan's in a, in a sense kind of like an enemy of the Israelite and sort of a rival claimant to being the people of the promise. Uh, they really did not get along well. Uh, and Jesus has several encounters with Samaritans in the gospel, and it's always important to keep that in mind. The Samaritan is considered by most of the Jews to be, you know, an unclean outsider, kind of an enemy of my people. And so it's going to sting all the more when he's speaking to this scholar of the law, and a priest and a Levite walk across to the other side of the road to pass this man as he's laying there dead, and this, you know, scum of the earth Samaritan, he comes by, and what does he do? Does he ignore the man lying in the road? Does he pass him by? No. He stops and he cares for them, and he cares quite a lot for him. Right? He dresses his wounds and anoints his wounds and puts him on his animal and takes him to the inn right? uh, and cares for him in the inn. And then when he leaves, provides for his continued care. And then Jesus asks the, the scholar of the law, now, of these three, in your opinion, who of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? So the question is no longer, is the robber my neighbor? Do I have to care for him? But which of these three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, which of them was a neighbor? Right, so Jesus really kind of turned this thing around uh, on the, the scholar of the law. And he says to them, go and do likewise. Right, so he shows us the Samaritan who does not ask those questions, doesn't draw those boundaries. The Samaritan, when he's coming by, he doesn't ask, mm, what is the law obliged for me to do in this circumstance? You know, am I supposed to keep, keep clean, keep my distance? Well, this isn't, he's not really one of my people. He's one of those Jews, so I'm going to leave him there. The Samaritan doesn't draw those lines. The Samaritan sees somebody who is in need, and the Samaritan cares for that person generously and lavishly. And this is what Jesus is telling uh, to go and do likewise. Go and be like the Samaritan. Ask not who uh, do I have to love as myself, but rather uh, love everyone as yourself. See everyone as your neighbor. But uh, so this would be the standard moral teaching of this, hom of this uh, gospel, right? Uh, to be like the good Samaritan, to care for those that we find that are in need. Uh, but the, the church fathers went, really deeper with an allegorical interpretation of this gospel that I think lends it a lot of strength and meaning. The church fathers were pretty much in agreement that Jesus is speaking of himself when he tells us the story of the Good Samaritan. That Jesus is the neighbor who loves without boundary and without measure. And what's more, the church fathers are in pretty much unanimous agreement that we are that person laying half dead in the road. Or some will say it was Adam, which is another way of saying us. Right? That the humanity has fallen into this state, that we've been besieged by robbers who have beaten us and taken from us what was ours and really left us half dead waiting for somebody to pick us up and heal us and care for us. And when we, put, when we look at this parable and we see uh, not just random old Jews and a Samaritan, uh, but we see ourselves lying half dead in the road, figuratively speaking, and we see the way Jesus cares for us, I think it can provoke in us a sense of gratitude and awe at the, the lavishness with which he cares for us.
Right? And, the, and the church fathers will say that we, we can see in the, in the healing of our wounds and in the dressing of our wounds, maybe the sacraments, right? That the Lord forget, he heals our wounds with the sacrament of reconciliation and with baptism, right? That he anoints us uh, with the sacraments, that he, um, that he begins to heal and bring us back to full health, that he carries us to the inn, which the church fathers say is the church, and he places us in the care of the church. This is a fantastic uh, detail that I was, on a, I was on vacation with some brother priests this past week and we were talking about the Good Samaritan because uh, that's what priests do on retreat, I guess. We just sit and talk over the gospel. Um, and somebody told me that, uh, one of my brother priests told me that, yeah, I always get a lot of meat. When I pray with the Good Samaritan, I'm always moved by the fact that uh, Jesus provides coins uh, to the innkeeper for the man's continued care and then tells the innkeeper, if you spend more than this, then when I come back, I'll repay you. And he says, I've, I've always been moved by the knowledge that Jesus has actually placed people in my life, that he is charged with caring for me, with watching out for me, with healing me, with, with raising me up and making me better. Uh, and now he's, you know, he's humbled and moved to love, uh, moved to love the Lord more by that. Right, so we can see in this, not, not only a, a the instruction to be like the Good Samaritan, but we also can see deeper that Jesus himself is, in a sense, the Good Samaritan. And when he gives us the instruction, go and do likewise, our ability to imitate the example Jesus sets before us, it comes out of the fact that we have been picked up off the street half dead. Right? Jesus has done that for us. Whatever brokenness we have in our life, whatever sins we've committed, that maybe we deserve to have just been left to die, spiritually speaking, if not physically speaking. Jesus has shown us extravagant mercy. He's cared for us himself, he's bound our wounds, and he's provided for our future care. And it is out of this love, it's because we've received this love, that we can really respond to that instruction Jesus gives us to go and do likewise. And then uh, drawing on my, my friend's insight, the one last thing I wanna say is, uh, in telling us to go and do likewise, he is inviting us to share in the innkeeper's role in this. There are others who are sick and beaten and lost and laying on the road who are in need of care. And Jesus is in a sense placing them, uh, entrusting them to us, placing them in our, in our hands. But he's also told us, whatever cost you incur, probably less materially, more spiritually. Whatever cost you incur, I will pay you back when I return. 